open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark this morning, uh, chapter number 14. Mark, chapter number 14. We are studying the, the life of Jesus. We are uh, entering into the time here in Mark 14 of the beginning of the, the Passion Week and um, leading up to the, the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. So in Mark chapter number 14, last week, um, we, we, pr- we preached about and taught about the, the prayer of the Lord in Gethsemane and his prayer there, his submission to the Father there in that prayer in Gethsemane and how that Jesus prayed it through in the garden. So what he's getting ready to endure and go through these next um, uh, few hours of his life, that victory was, was accomplished and won there in the garden. The victory was won in that garden in, pr- in that time of prayer. The price then was paid at the cross of Calvary. Amen. So look with me in chapter 14. Of Mark, and I'm going to begin reading from where I got to find my place. Praise God. Verse number 42, I believe, is what I want. Yes. Mark chapter 14 and verse number 42. And if you got it, say amen. All right. It says this Rise, the words of Jesus, rise, let us be going. See, my, my betrayer is at hand. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and from the scribes and the elders. Now his betrayer had given them a signal, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he had come... Immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, and kissed him. Then they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of those, and one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Have you come out as against a robber? with swords and clubs to take me. I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me, but the Scriptures must be fulfilled. Then they all forsook him and fled. Father, we thank you today for the Word of God, and we thank you today for the presence of the Lord, the Spirit of God here in this service this morning. And I'm asking today, Lord, that you would help me as I endeavor to bring forth the bread of life. I pray that you will give me the very words that you would have me to say under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that you would open the hearts of these, your people today, to to receive what the Spirit of God would say to the church. We give you the praise for it today, for all that you do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. What comes to your mind whenever you hear the name Benedict Arnold? 
traitor. Amen. That's probably the first thought that popped into your mind, to everybody's mind, because everybody has heard that name, Benedict Arnold. And when you think of him or, or hear his name mentioned, nothing good ever pops into your head, does it? But the thing about Benedict Arnold is that at one time, he was a five-star general in the American Army, and he was a committed soldier among the American troops. And there was a time that he had a good name and a good reputation, and he was a friend of General George Washington. But something happened to Benedict Arnold that changed him. What had happened was that he had saw five of his subordinates promoted over him, and it became a major blow to his ego. He thought those promotions, one of those he deserved, and he should have been the recipient of that, and he was passed over, and so he became bitter, and bitterness and animosity gripped his soul, and so he decided to get his revenge by devising a treasonous plan to surrender West Point to the British. But instead of being remembered as he could have been as a national hero, the name Benedict Arnold is now synonymous with being a traitor, with being a turncoat, and with being a deceiver. There's been a lot of betrayals in history that we could probably talk about today. But I don't think there's any betrayal that is as heartless or any more devious than the one that we've read about here in this passage of Scripture this morning from Mark chapter number 14. Jesus has personally, when we look at the life of Judas, and I think when we mention the name Judas, we kind of get the same thing. He was kind of a Benedict Arnold. He was a traitor of the Lord Jesus, but Jesus had personally chosen Judas to be one of his disciples, and Judas had followed the Lord for, for some three years, and Judas had basically, I believe, a good reputation. No one at the Last Supper uh, suspected Judas of being the betrayer. If you will remember when they were at the Last Supper and Jesus gave that word and said, one of you here will betray me. And nobody said, well, I know who it is. It's obvious it's Judas. Nobody pointed him out. Matter of fact, they all were saying, is it me? Is it me? None of them really trusted their own hearts. But... Um, no one suspected him as being a traitor. The name Judas comes from the name Judah, which means praise. And the name Judas actually means a life of praise. But Judas, in, in, instead of his life winding up a life of praise, his life ended up as being a son of perdition. And that's what the Bible refers to him to in the end, a son of perdition. And a complete waste. He sold out to the devil. He sold out the Lord Jesus Christ. And here in this passage we see the betrayal of the Lord by Judas. After a fervent prayer in Gethsemane, Jesus gathers his sleeping disciples together, which they should have been praying as well, but they weren't. 
And he draws them together and gathers them together and he uh, points his face toward the cross and he makes that statement in verse number 42 and he says, come on guys, get up, let's arise. My betrayer is finally here. And as I said a while ago, Jesus' victory over Satan and what he is getting ready to face here in the next few hours was one there in that garden in that prayer time and those three different prayers that he prayed, three different hours or so of prayer that he prayed to God. He conquered the enemy and he conquered his own will and desires and he submitted to the will of the Father and won that victory there in Gethsemane. So now he's ready to face what is coming his way. But the Bible says that Judas, there in verse number 43, Judas, one of the twelve, one of the twelve came and brought this group of people to arrest Jesus. Every time it mentions Judas and this uh, this incident of the betrayal of the Lord and the arrest of the Lord is mentioned in all of the gospels and it always refers to Judas in that with that terminology that he was one of the 12 it identifies him of who he was it lets us know that it was not some other Judas, uh, a Judas that uh, was someone else by the same name, but it lets us know that he was one of the 12. This was one of the 12 original apostles that was chosen by the Lord. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus had spent three years, or Judas rather, had spent three years with the Lord Jesus. He had preached the gospel. He had been commissioned by the Lord as a preacher to go preach the gospel of the kingdom. According to the Bible, Judas was one of that one of those 12 that was involved in that ministry and we have reason to believe from the scripture that he actually had that authority given by the Lord Jesus to preach and to heal the sick, to cast out demons by the power and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you read the scriptures in Luke chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 10, and Mark chapter 6 and those verses of scripture it refers to Jesus commissioning the 12 he called unto him his 12 disciples his 12 apostles and he gave to all 12 of them power and authority to heal the sick and to preach the gospel and to cast out devils so we know that Judas was among those that went out and, and, and preached the gospel. And, and the point that I'm trying to make is that in studying this message, for this message, and, and uh, reading different commentaries and things, there are a lot of people that have the idea, believe, that Judas was a devil from the very beginning. But I don't believe that the Scripture bears that out. Because devils don't cast out devils. And devils don't heal the sick. There was a time when Judas... Judas, Judas had the goods and, and, and was doing the work of the Lord Jesus Christ, but something happened in his life. 
Here was a man. Here was a man that, that, that was a part of these 12. I mean, there were only 12 apostles of the Lamb, 12 apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here was a man that was with Jesus for those three years of his ministry, three and a half years, and he was there with Jesus and saw the miracles that Jesus performed. He saw Jesus. He was there on the boat that night and saw Jesus walking on the water. He was there on the boat that, that night when the storm came up on the Sea of Galilee and Jesus rose up and said, Peace be still. And they all said, What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? He was there at the raising of Lazarus when he called Lazarus from the grave. He was there to see the lame walk and the blind eyes open and the deaf hear and the lame leap for joy. He was there to see the miracles and experience the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was there with Jesus when Jesus delivered the maniac of Gadara, that man that was possessed, the wild man of Gadara, possessed with the legion of devils. So Judas saw, heard the gospel preached by Jesus, heard the teaching of the Lord, saw the power of God manifested in the life of Jesus, but yet betrays him. And ladies and gentlemen, I don't mind telling you that it boggles the mind. It's baffling how that someone who saw what Judas saw and felt what Judas felt and experienced what he experienced and heard what he heard, how that he could do what he did and betray the Lord Jesus Christ. But nevertheless, the scripture refers to him as one of the 12, but then it also refers to him in verse 42 and verse 44 of our text. It calls Judas his betrayer, the Lord's betrayer. Because Judas, as most of us know, had made a deal with the religious leaders to betray the Lord Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver and with a kiss. That was the signal that he would, that he would tell them, the one that I kiss, he's the one. This was what Judas did, and I think we all would have to agree with this, folks, that what Judas did in his plotting and planning the betrayal of the Lord, selling him out for 30 pieces of silver, I think we would all have to agree today that this was a devious, demonic, and a hypocritical act on Judas's part. Judas became, came to a place where he was a pretender. Judas came to the place where he was not what he appeared to be. What he was on the outside was not the same that he was on the inside. Amen? He was a, we use the term, we don't hear too much of this term anymore, this word anymore, but Judas was a hypocrite. Hypocrite, the word hypocrite means, what does it mean? That term hypocrite means a pretender. It means one that wears a mask. It refers to a play actor. It was the word in the Greek that they used for those who were on the stage and were acting a part and were pretending to be something that they were not. And that's exactly what Judas was. Because Judas was a pretender. He loved Jesus to his face. But then he plotted against Jesus behind his back. 
I know this ain't a shouting message today, but I want to tell you something. We do not ever want to be in that place where we are a pretender and pretend to be something that we are not and act out a part that we are not. Amen. What you see of Ricky Hensley on this platform, that's got to be what I really am, what I am at home, what I am everywhere I go. I've got to be the same and I want to be the same everywhere. And I can tell you what you what you see with Vicky and I, what you see is what you get. We don't act out to be somebody else that we are not. We are who we are. I'm not trying to be anybody else or act like anybody else. Amen. But, uh, and that's the thing. Every one of us here today, we've got to have a genuine and a true experience with Jesus Christ and have it on the inside and live it on the outside. Can I get an amen here in this church today? Amen. Are you with me? Hallelujah. And so he loved Jesus, Judas did to his face, but he sold him out. He plotted against him behind his back. And to, to think after all that he saw Jesus do that Jesus didn't have any idea what was going on. You know, sometimes people think that about the pastor. Well, he has no idea. Well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> Praise God. But Judas has coveted coveted with these these the high priests, those religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, to sell out the Lord. And he came with a great multitude here to the garden where Jesus was. The Bible says in John's gospel that he was familiar with Gethsemane because Jesus and his disciples had been there on many occasions to find rest and relaxation. So there was, there was no um, surprise to Judas where Jesus and the disciples were. So he leads, the Bible says, a multitude in Mark's gospel. John's gospel says it was a detachment of troops. When we think about these soldiers and the chief priests, um, uh, those of the chief priests coming and the soldiers coming, we think, well, there was just a handful of folks, but a detachment or a Roman cohort is what it was, and it was up to upwards of 600 people. So here was an army, so to speak, of 600, a regiment of 600, a detachment numbered of 600 men that were, in, that were heavenly armed with swords and with clubs and the weapons that, that they had to come and arrest the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Judas comes to Jesus. He leads them to the garden. He comes to where Jesus is, and he comes up to Jesus, and the Bible said that he did what? He kissed him. He kissed him. Isn't that right? He came up and gave him a kiss on the cheek. Now, this is not anything that is, um, is, is wrong. You know, there are cultures in that culture. It was okay for, to get, for a man to give another man a kiss on the cheek. It was, a, it was a, um, a sign of affection and love and fellowship. And there are, still, there are still cultures today that still do that very same thing in some of the other countries. I mean, they'll, they'll 
see a friend and they'll grab them and boom, boom, kiss them on each cheek and, and just, you know, bless them, you know. But it's not anything vulgar, anything like that. And that's not what Judas was doing here. As a matter of fact, in the Bible, you know, the Apostle Paul said, writing to some of the churches, said, greet one another with what? A holy kiss. Amen. Well, in our culture, it's a, it's a handshake. Can I get an Amen. It's a handshake or a hug. So we don't practice this, but uh, they did at that time. And so Judas had already given these people a signal or, uh, that when he got to where they were, remember it's nighttime in the garden, it's dark there. There is a full moon because it's Passover time, but in the darkness of the garden with the olive trees all around, it would be hard for these guys to determine exactly which one of these 12 or 11 were the Lord Jesus. And so Judas has, has told them and given them a signal that he would give him a kiss. But it's interesting that the word kiss there in the scripture doesn't mean that he just came up and gave him just a kiss on the cheek or a peck on the cheek. But the word kiss refers there, the, the Greek word that's used refers to a series of kisses. In other words, Judas was really overdoing this. He kept on kissing Jesus. I mean, he's really putting on on a show here and he runs up to the Lord and he grabs him and he says oh rabbi rabbi I've been looking for you and he just begins to kiss him on the cheek and kiss him over and over again actually it's the same word that was used in Luke chapter 15 concerning the, fa the, the father of the prodigal son that when the prodigal son came home that the father ran to meet him and fell on his neck and just smothered him with kisses and that's exactly what Judas was doing to the Lord. He was smothering him with kisses. He was kissing him fervently. He was kissing him repeatedly. And Judas was really putting on a show. He was making a spectacle of this. I mean, you know, if he, if he, if he was, he would have won the Academy Award, I mean, for pretending to love Jesus that day. He was going overboard with the whole thing. And the Bible says, in Psalm 55, 21, his words, and this describes Judas, that his words were as smooth as butter, but there was war in his heart. And that's exactly what Judas was. He was, he was, we use the term today, he was a backstabber. Used to have a song back in the 70s about the backstabbers. And ladies and gentlemen, listen, we don't, as Christians, we don't want to play the role of Judas ever. Not to love somebody to their face. Not to be good to them to their face. Not to treat them right to their face. But then go right behind their back and run them down and have a knife going for them. My dad used to say they're, they're, hugging you and they're, uh, they're hugging you and loving you to the face but they got a knife going for your gizzard. Amen. Amen. We don't want to be that kind of an individual. Can I get an amen? Judas was a deceiver. He was a traitor. He was a backstabber. Judas had a smile on his face, but he had death in his heart.
The Bible talks about it and tells about it in, in Psalm 55. The psalmist David said, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me. Um, who has exalted himself against me. Then I can hide from it. But it was you. And listen, see, here's what hurts so bad. It was you, a man my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked in the house of God in the throng or in company. Jesus is, or the psalmist is talking about and is speaking of Jesus and Judas. It was one that he was his companion and acquaintance. It was somebody that claimed to love him. It was someone that they had went to the temple together. They had went to church together. They had fellowship together. See, these people, ladies and gentlemen, like Judas, I'm sad to say this today, but these same kind of people exist in the world today. Are you with me? They exist in the world, and I really hate to say this, and I'm trusting not one of them, like not, there's not a Judas in this bunch, but there are Judases that exist and that thrive within the body of Christ and within the church. And I think everyone here in this service today could say, if I would ask you the question, have you ever been on that end that, like Jesus was where someone whom you loved, someone who you trusted, someone that you thought you could have confidence and had confidence in that they turned against you and betrayed you. Anyone know what I'm talking about? I think all of us have experienced that time of betrayal in our life and there's nothing that hurts any worse than when a trusted friend, someone that we've put our confidence in does us wrong being betrayed by someone that we love we can all think of that today and say yes brother Rick I've been there I've had that happen and it hurts come on somebody Years of pastoring, uh, uh, Pastor Wade would be able to say the same thing. In years of pastoring and dealing with people, when you, when you put confidence in people and you put trust in people and you help people and you do everything that you can to do good to people and to help people. And Jesus didn't ever do anything but good to Judas. But then to have them to turn their back on you and, and blindside you, there's not a hurt that hurts any worse than that and you may have experienced that some point in your life and maybe there's somebody here this morning that you've experienced that recently in your life but I'm here to tell you something this morning ladies and gentlemen and that is that God can heal that hurt and God can turn that around and God can straighten that out in your life and he can help you to forgive and that is the thing no matter what they've done no matter what they've said no matter how they've backbited or mistreated you, there is uh, uh, there is victory in that today where you can forgive and you can forget and you can be healed of the bitterness. Hallelujah. God wants to do it for you today. Can you say amen, somebody? Amen. Do you believe it? So Judas is really putting on a show. Mwah, mwah. Oh, Rabbi, mwah, mwah. I love you so much. Mwah, mwah, mwah. You're so wonderful. And all the time, he's waiting to get his 30 pieces of silver. 
two-faced, Brother Jill said. That's, that's it. Boy, this is a good shouting sermon. <laughs> but how did Jesus respond to Judas's betrayal? That's the important thing. Because you're going to have people betray you and do you wrong, but can we, oh, here we go. Now, see, now we're getting down where the rubber meets the road. Can we respond in the same way that Jesus did? Because Jesus did not react in anger, but Jesus responded with love to Judas. Even while he's the hypocrites selling him out. And Jesus is reacting and responding in love. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 26, verse 50, the Bible says that when Judas kissed the Lord and, and, and said, Oh, you know, Lord, Rabbi, it's so good, Master, it's so good to see you. And, and I, I, I want to clarify something that he, it's never recorded. And I found this out this week that it's really never recorded anywhere where Judas actually called Jesus Lord. He called him Master, he called him Rabbi, but he never called him Lord. So he was drifting away from him the whole time. But He's kissing him. He's making over him. And Jesus looks at him, I believe, with eyes of love. And he says, friend, why have you come? Friend. Jesus looks into the eyes of the man who's betraying him to his death, selling him out to his death, and he calls him friend. It's an expression of love. Now, you know, I, I don't know. Could I, you know, would I have been able to say, oh, friend, knowing what he's doing, I'd have probably said, you hypocrite, you snake, you low-down, dirty, rotten snake in the grass, you get away from me. And if I wouldn't have said it, I'd have probably thought it. Amen. I know nobody. I know everybody else is sanctified here but me, but I still think that way sometimes. I think, boy, I'm telling you, they've done how you wait. I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. And that's why so many folks ain't got no mind left. They give so many pieces of it away. Come on. But Jesus didn't respond that way at all, did he? He called him friend. He's expressing his love to him. Jesus knows that Judas is a lying hypocrite, but yet Jesus reaches out to Judas one more time. Ladies and gentlemen, that is love. I'm telling you, Jesus has tried to warn Judas. Jesus had tried to get Judas not to do what he was going to do. Amen. He, he At the Last Supper, he told him, one of you are going to betray me. And he said, but it would be better for that man. He said, the Son of Man will go to the cross as, as, as it is written of him. But woe be to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for him if he would have never been born. He's reaching out to Judas. He's trying to get Judas to repent. Here he's doing the same thing. He's calling him friend. He's expressing love to him. He's reaching out to him one more time and giving him one more opportunity. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm so glad that the Lord gives us an opportunity to make things right. When we've got things messed up, he'll always draw us with his love and try 
try his best to bring us back to him. Friend, what are you doing, friend? I don't know if I could have done that or not, but Jesus is showing the love and the compassion to Judas, but he does something else. He shows some love to these soldiers, these, all these soldiers there. They've got their swords. They've got clubs. And the Bible said that they, they laid hands on him and took him. They arrested him. And, and it, it was done. It, listen, this, this wasn't a, a nice, easy, calm thing. They did it with roughness and cruelty. These, Jesus had not done anything but good. He had blessed. all. His ministry was always good. He had blessed these people. He had been good to them. But yet they respond in arresting him. And, 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 and so Jesus is being roughed up, so to speak, by these soldiers. But he didn't fight them off. He's not fighting the arrest. But what does Jesus do to these soldiers? Jesus shows, not only did he show compassion to Judas, but Jesus shows compassion to these soldiers that are arresting him, that are taking him to his death. In, in, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus made the statement, you know, to, 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 the, to his disciples when they tried to fight for him Jesus said listen put your swords up don't you know that if I wanted to right now I could pray and my father hallelujah my father would send right now at this moment 12 legions of angels to deliver me out of their hands how many angels is 12 legion a legion was I believe 6,000 so it would be 72,000 angels all Jesus had to do was say, okay, that's enough. And God would have sent 72,000 angels to wipe. That would have been enough to wipe out everybody. Amen. One angel in the Old Testament, one angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. So you can imagine what 72,000 would have done. But Jesus had a mission to do. He had come to die for our sins, so he endured the awful humility and the cruelty. There's an old song that says he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't do it. He died alone for you and me. Aren't you glad that he went ahead and he went to the cross and he gave his life and shed his blood that you and I can be saved today. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. Those soldiers, there was no retaliation by the Lord. John records this and says that when they got there to the garden and Jesus met them in John 18, it said, Jesus said, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am he. The word he, when he said I am he, the word he in your Bible is italicized, meaning that it wasn't in the original. So when Jesus answered them and they said, we're seeking Jesus of Nazareth, he said, I am. And when he said I am, what happened? That whole bunch fell backwards 
by the power of God. I know some folks don't believe in that, but anyway. By the power of God, they fell back. Jesus was using the same name that was used in the book of Exodus when he spoke to Moses from the burning bush. And he was giving Moses that commission. And he said, Moses said, well, when I go to Israel, who am I going to say it is that sent me? And he said, I am that I am. You tell them I am has sent you. I'm glad that he's still the I am today. He's not the I was or I will be or used to be. He's the I am today. Come on, somebody. Amen. And when Jesus spoke those words, I am he, the power of God knocked them all down. And here was the thing, see, the power of God was there to, to, de, to de, defend him. I'm sure old Peter jumped up and said, that's the way to do it, Jesus. Praise God. I'm with you right now. Come on, go keep them down, Lord. Hallelujah. I'll fight with you. But Jesus said, I am, and they all hit the ground. Psalm 27, 2 said that when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. That was a, a fulfillment of that particular verse of prophecy. Jesus showed compassion on the ones who were arresting him. He showed compassion on the, on the one who was betraying him. And he also showed mercy and compassion on a man there by the name of Malchus, one of the soldiers of the high priest. Because Peter gets bold now and he pulls out his sword and he's going to fight to defend his Lord. And instead of fighting, with he should have been fighting in the garden in prayer. But he pulls out his sword, fighting with a carnal weapon, and he swings that sword, and he lops off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And his name is Malchus, and he's standing there with his hand over his, over his uh, ear, blood running out, his ears laying on the ground. And Jesus... What does Jesus do? If it had been me or you, we would have said, there you go, dude. You think about that next time you try to put your sunglasses on. <laughs> that would have been what most of us would have done. Good enough for you. But Jesus reaches down, picks up his ear, Malchus's ear, his enemy's ear, slaps it back on the side of his head and heals him and performs a miracle. The last miracle, listen to me, saints, the last miracle that Jesus performed before he went to the cross was a miracle of healing to one of his enemies. What does that say to us today? I don't know, maybe that's Malchus. He had the first miracle here, didn't he? Amen. His... <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Praise God. But what does that say to you and me? 
That tells us that as our example. See, see, here's the thing. I'm talking about a betrayal. I'm talking about people who come against you. I'm talking about people who do you wrong. I'm talking about that your enemies. And I, I, I pray that I have no enemies. I pray all the time, Lord, if I got any enemies, I don't want make them at peace with me. I don't want anybody. I don't want any, to be mad at nobody. And I don't want nobody to be mad at me. Are you with me? Amen. I don't. But the Bible said, if our ways please the Lord, He can even make our enemies to be at peace with us but here the Lord is facing his enemies and those who are opposed to him and those who are lying to him and those who are doing him dirty and what Jesus does to them is that he does them good he spares their life he could have slaughtered them all he could have he could have left Malchus a one-eared soldier but he healed even his enemies and here is the example that he has left to us because he had taught on the Sermon on the Mount. He had taught in other places, love your enemies. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be the children of your Father. Hallelujah. That you may be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And I'm going to tell you something. Paul taught the same thing in Romans 12. He said love your enemies. Do If your enemy's hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, to give him something to drink because by doing this he said you'll heap coals of fire upon his head and the Lord will bless your life I'm talking about what Jesus did and how we must respond when people do us wrong and when people backbite and when people try to harm us we've got to love them anyway come on somebody we got to pray for them anyway not just praying for our family not just praying for those who love us not just blessing the ones that bless us but we've got to learn how to bless those who curse us and do good to those who despitefully use us and I'll tell you when we do that God has got a blessing stored up for you if you'll do that today come on amen that's the example that Jesus has given to us that's the example that he has left us. The Bible says that they all forsook him and fled. They fled. They're thinking he's healing the, we're trying to protect him and he's healing them. And they ran away and left him alone. He submitted to the arrest. Next week we'll talk about the, the impeachment proceedings. The sham trial that he got. The kangaroo court that they put him through. I'm talking about Jesus. Amen? But they all left him alone. He had to tread the wine press alone for you, for me, so that we could be saved tonight. And he set us an example of what we need to be. Worship team, would you come back? Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. I, I don't know. 
if we really understand how much the Lord loves us, do we, do we understand how much He gave for us, what He endured and suffered so that we could be saved? He loves us. So, so here's the thing this morning. Here's the point that I want to make to you. Again, it's been a little hoiky-joiky this morning, but here's the, here's the point. We all have experienced betrayal by someone we've all, at one time or another, been talked about, been lied on, been mistreated by even people that we love, by people that we've helped. I told Vicki one time in ministry, it seems like so many times, it seems like the people that you help the most and do the most for are the ones that turn around and do you wrong. And let me tell you, you know, if you've experienced, it hurts. That hurts. And I know pastors are not the only ones that experience that. Everybody does. But I don't know. It seems like in ministry it happens more than it ought to. Amen? But Jesus is here to tell you something today. I know what you're feeling. And I know what you're going through. And if you've been betrayed and if you've been lied on and if you've been mistreated and someone's done you dirty, Jesus said, I know, I know. I've been there and I know what you're feeling. But here's what he's saying. Love them anyway. Pray for them anyway. Do good to them anyway. I guess I don't know how many times I've threatened to get off of social media because people don't have to come to you and tell you they're against you they just kick you off of their Facebook they quit liking your stuff they don't comment anymore so you know they're but Jesus is saying I know just pray for them anyway. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm not standing up here as a great example. But that's one of the things Jesus told us we need to pray. Pray for your enemies. And I try every day when I'm praying. If somebody comes to my mind, do you ever have those folks that when you think about them, is there anybody in your life, maybe when you think about them, you get a gnawing down in here. That's when you need to start praying for them and say, Lord, don't let me have no wrong feelings about them. Lord, Lord, I forgive them. See, we got to forgive one another. Jesus forgave Judas of what he was doing, but Judas still went out and hung himself and died lost. Well, Jesus loves everybody. There's a lot of people that's dying lost that Jesus loves them and died for them. But they ain't saved. So pray for them. 
Let's stand. Let's stand. God wants to do some healing here this morning in your life.